this service is a family service. We have all of us together, dads and moms, grandpas and grandmas, kids, students in this service. We planned this service at about a 60-minute service uh, to be uh, mindful of the fact that we're all in together to be sensitive to that. And we were super close to finishing right on time at our first service. Uh, we were maybe at about 65 minutes, and it worked really, really well. So parents, as you're uh, with your kids in the service, we want to be super sensitive to that. And if they make a little noise, don't worry about it. It doesn't bother me at all. I am an old church planter. I had the privilege of planting a church up in Hillsboro, Oregon, right out of seminary. And our first meeting place was in a hotel conference room right across from the Hillsboro Airport. And people were forever coming up the back steps of that conference room uh, to try to go. And you could go through and enter rooms that way. And they would just bust through the back door while we were having church and with their bags and all their stuff. And, and uh, they would go, oh, and they would back out. And so I just got used to it at a very early age, just teaching and preaching through distractions. It really doesn't bother me at all. And we're just glad to have the kids here. Amen, church. Uh, how sad would a church be without kids? Um, that's what we would call a museum. And they're fun for about an hour, right? Uh, but after a while, you love to hear the laughter, see the feet running, hear the sounds, hear their voices. At Northwest Hills, we love kids, and we're glad that you're here today. We are a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church And we love all people of varying ages and different walks of life. And you are welcome here to come and to learn and to hear of the goodness of the Lord. What a mighty God we serve. And what a joy for us to come together, to rally together, and serve together our great God. Uh, Let me say two things before we get into James 5. And I've got a very brief message there. will not be before you long. But I would be remiss not to mention a special word of congratulations to all of our graduates. I have loved watching on Facebook high school graduates, college graduates from trade programs all the way up to PhDs and back down to high school students. Let's put our hands together for our graduates and their families. What a wonderful group. Uh, Man. All over the place we have graduates, and uh, we just are so proud of you. It's been so fun to watch all the celebrations on Facebook and the events and the activities and wonderful, wonderful accomplishments. Then let me say, uh, finally, uh, next week we've got a very special service planned. You don't want to miss it. It's really our Summer at Northwest Hills kickoff. And I've never been a pastor that has conceded the summer. In fact, I think summer is a great time to really grow And to do some things that maybe you don't uh, have opportunity in the other seasons of the year. And because our church has experienced growth in our recent months, we are just too large now to be able to go back to one service. Uh, We might be able to jam everybody in, but we would have no room for growth whatsoever. And that's never a good idea. Because I think there's going to be all kinds of good New people we're going to meet this summer. New friends are going to come in, check out Northwest Hills, and we want to have a seat for them. We want to have a seat for you. We want you to have just a little bit of room to have uh, to uh, worship and be together with God's people. So we'll be all summer long at 9 and 1030, and we just need that space for sure. And next Sunday, we'll start a brand new series called The Classics. And in the heart of the summer, we'll be teaching on some classic psalms that have been such a blessing to folks over the years. 
the Psalms are divided into five books. Um, and we're going to do a message out of each one of those books. It'll be a five-week classics series on the Psalms. And we'll start next week with Psalm 23. Um, and one that has surely been a blessing to so many. Uh, but a psalm that often gets relegated just to funerals, if you kind of stop and think about it. And I'm going to show you next week how that Psalm 23 is actually very much a psalm for the living. And it is a blessing, not only for comfort at funerals, surely it is, but it's meaningful for everyday life as well. And then you'll want to take special note of the courtyard next Sunday as there's going to be something very special there for you to look at that will coincide very wonderfully with our classics series. So you don't want to miss next Sunday at 9 or 10.30. All right, James chapter 5. And we wrap up our study of the book of James. We were six messages on this five-chapter book. It all started, can you believe, back on Mother's Day when we talked about wisdom for moms in James chapter 1. And today we wrap it up in James chapter 5. We'll be in verses 7 through 13. And I want to show you three wisdom statements for dads. Three wisdom statements for dads. Statements that, Dad, you can take You can write it down, you can put it in your back pocket, you can take it right with you into this week, very practical, and you can apply it right where you're living, in your work this week, with your spouse, with your kids, with your neighbors, with the blessings you have, the challenges that you're navigating, all of it uh, is here, blessings and wisdom for dads. But let me go ahead and just tip my hat here and let you know that this wisdom is not only for dads, but moms can utilize it as well. And elementary students that are here can utilize this wisdom as well. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students or graduates, it's all here and you can take it and you can apply it to right where you're living here in June 2018. Look how quickly it starts in verse 7. Someone said, blessed is the preacher who can get airborne without too much runway. I'm going to tell you, James does that for us right here in James 5, 7. He says, dear brothers and sisters... Be patient. Here's the first wisdom statement. Be patient. Uh Uh-oh, that's hard right there. Those two words are hard. If we're honest, be patient. I will say this. Probably 70% of the people in here struggle with patience. It's hard for you to be patient. Patience is not something that comes natural. In fact, let me see all of the somewhat to significantly impatient people. Let me see your hand. Yep, look, my number is going to be almost spot on. That's right. Very good. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. That's a good thing, uh, to be honest. Very good. Uh, Others, there's probably a little smaller group of people here who are fairly patient people by nature. Uh, There are some folks that are just fairly patient. Uh, But the majority of folks struggle with patience. And so it's easy just to read over that without saying, time out. That's easy preaching. That's hard living. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient. That's something that we've got to work on. That's something that we have to really lean into that Holy Spirit's work in our life every day. Philippians 2, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Ephesians 5 and 6, we're surrendering our life every day to the Holy Spirit of God's control. We're giving Him the reins every day in surrender so that His fruit would come out of our life and be our portion. There's where patience comes from. It's a fruit of the Spirit. 
And it's something we've got to work on. It's something that we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to tend and shepherd in our own life as we grow in our relationship with Christ. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Fascinating to me, this was written approximately, approximately A.D. 60. And here we are now in 2016, and we're still, as the people of God, waiting for the Lord's return. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're waiting for it. We're watching for it. Whether He would come or call for us. Every day we live our lives knowing that our Lord could come or call for us at any point. And while we yet wait, we must wait, what church? Patiently. We must patiently wait for Him to come or call for us. His bride, His people, we go home to be with Him forever in heaven because of the work of Christ that's been applied to our life. Because of what Christ did in His death, burial, and resurrection, we have the possibility of having a right relationship with God and living eternally with Him. We wait for His coming or His calling. And while we wait, we wait patiently with a heart set to do the biblical next right thing. I'm going to do my biblical next right thing. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to parent and raise my children. I'm going to show up for work on time. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to speak the truth in all things. I'm going to do the next right biblical thing that God's Word is teaching me while I'm patiently waiting for the Lord's return. We've got to be patient. And sometimes we have to, as the people of God, wait on the Lord. I think it's one of the hardest things to do. When you pray to God result or concerning a matter and you're looking for a result, you're looking for an answer to your prayer regarding a matter, whatever that matter might be. Should I buy that car? Should we buy that house? Should we sell our house? Should I switch jobs? Should I marry that person? Is that person God's will and perfect plan for me? Should I do this or should I do that? We go through those things in our life and we pray. We could get one of three answers from God. Number one, we could get the answer yes. I think that's our most favorite answer. Yes. Who here doesn't like yes? Yes. Buy the car. It's the right time. Yeah. Yes. We love yeses. You love to give yeses. You love to receive yeses. By and large, yeses are a good thing. Sometimes we get the answer, no. Have you ever gotten a no from the Lord? Let me see your hand. Pastor Mike, I've gotten a no from the Lord. Yeah, me too. Yes, I've gotten a lot of those. Guess what? I needed those. No's are good. Parents, let me empower you, parents. Parents, pull your shoulders back. Lift your head high. Take a big, deep breath in and just know this. Your kids need no's in their life. They need no's. They need to hear no from you. Because as they grow into adulthood, they're going to hear a lot of no's. Who here has ever gone out for a job that you did not get? Plain and simple, you got a no. My hand's right up. Who else is joining me? Look all around. Yeah. Sure, it's okay. It's a part of maturity. It's a part of the reality of adulthood. Parents, don't hesitate to give out some no's. See how your kids respond to the no's. It'll teach you a lot about where their heart is and what character development yet needs to happen. That's why I love to have my kids play sports. I think that sports really don't build character. I think sports reveals character. Our daughter, all she's dear, she's getting ready to go to medical school. Uh, she's gone, unfortunately, more than she's here now. Makes my heart sad. But she went out for basketball in seventh grade, and they lost their first game bad. And we were walking out of the Mount Eldon Middle School, and she is pouring the tears. 
She slammed that door open. She says, I hate losing that. Crying, upset. I'm like, whoa, hold on. We got in the car. We're like, whoa, hey, dude, time out. And it was a wonderful parenting teaching moment. And she's wiping the tears and fuming because she lost that basketball game. Her team lost that game. And, man, she just took that so personal. And it was a wonderful opportunity to coach and parent, right? And to bring all of this back into perspective and to help her to begin to understand that, that you can't win at everything. You can't always finish first at everything. You're going to come up against people that's going to be faster or smarter in that moment, or they're going to swing a little bit better or, or whatever it is. They're going to get the job and you're not, and you've got to handle that in a right way, although it is hard at times to navigate that. We get from God yeses. We get noes. You know what I think the most difficult answer is? The answer, number three, Wait. I've sat in my office before as a pastor. And I said, God, if you would just write the answer in the sky for me, I'll do whatever you want to do. I'll take a yes, I'll take a no. But I've got to hear something, Lord. Because this waiting on you is just about ready to kill me. Because I'm not used to waiting as an individual living in the United States of America in 2018. In fact, if I go to Amazon.com, where I've got a nice account. By the way, I'm a Prime member. I ended up the big bucks. I'm a prime member. And if I want to order said item and it comes back and says to me, I, I'm not going to get that tomorrow? What? I'll just have to go to Portland and get it. This is absolutely ridiculous. I've got to, I've got to get this tomorrow. What in the world? What? No. I mean, a two or three day wait, four day. This is going to be delivered in July? This is unspeakable. This is not acceptable. I want it when? I want it right now. Want that new car? They can get you into that today. Hey, no, you can take that home today. We'll get you right in. Yeah, you want that new appliance? We can deliver that tomorrow. In fact, if you could receive a 7 o'clock delivery tonight, we might be able to get it out to you tonight. You ready to swipe that card? We'll do the deal right now. Today, tomorrow, today, this evening. This is the cadence and pace of our culture. Listen, that's not the way our God works. Sometimes he says, wait. Psalm 27, 13 and 14, David said, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and he will strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Sometimes we have to wait. We've got to show patience as we wait on him. Dads, we've got to show patience while God is working in our wife and in our family. And dad's ultimately working on us. And sometimes that takes time and he does his perfect work. Sometimes he does that work slowly and he does a deep and good work from the inside out. God is never late. He is never early. He's always just right on time. And we've got to learn the discipline of waiting on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Oh, what a, what a wisdom statement. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Titus 2.13 is our comparative passage. Take a look at it this afternoon. Titus 2.13 is a wonderful verse, and it just reminds us that as we wait for our Lord to come or call for us, we're looking forward to that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, when He comes and calls us to be with Him, where we get to live because of the work of Christ 
that has been done in us. Look at the illustration that James gives us. This section is very proverbial in nature. It's why James is called the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's just like there's like a there's like a wisdom point and there's an illustration. There's a wisdom point, there's an illustration. Point, there's an illustration. Look what he says. Consider the farmers. Consider the farmers. Well, we have a just an up close and, and, and personal look at farmers here in the Midwillamette Valley. We can just see how patient they are as they work with their crops. I've shared with you guys before, growing up as a a small child, I lived just really across the street from my Uncle Verlin's 500-acre dairy farm in southern Ohio. And I would wake up in the mornings. My first memory as a child is waking up at about the age of five, and I would hear my uncle's John Deere tractor in the field. I would put on my overalls, and I would beg my mom to take me out there. And she most often would, and she would set me up on that tractor, and I would ride on that tractor until, after a while, he would have to set me off because I got too sleepy. And what would he be doing? Plowing? Disking? Spreading? I think I'll skip that day. Planting? putting on other chemicals to keep weeds down and control other pests and, and, and all of these processes. And then comes summer rain and then comes summer sun. And then all of a sudden here comes corn up and then field corn's up this tall. And oh my good, all of this months and months of work and tending and growing. Here's the farmer. What a lesson they give us in patience. What a lesson they give us in doing the next right thing while we watch and wait. And James says, there's, there's wisdom for dad. Be patient while God is at work. Be patient while you're waiting on seeing some of those ultimate returns of the investments of our faith. But don't think that in those moments when it's quiet, don't think in those evenings hours when the fields are even quiet, that God is not at work and things aren't happening because they are. I love that. Wisdom word number one, be patient as you wait for the Lord. Titus 2, consider the farmer. Look at the second one. Uh Uh-oh, this one really hits home. He goes again, very proverbial. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters. Don't grumble. I think when you look at it all contextually here, don't grumble while you're waiting. Why does this all of a sudden just take me to either Disneyland or Disney World, right? Or Knott's Berry Farm or King's Island or one of these wonderful theme parks around the country where you're in a long line in the summer. You're sweating like somebody that stole something. You're dying of thirst. You're waiting to get on a ride. And all the kids are there and you just hear people doing what sometimes? You hear them sometimes grumbling. While you're waiting in those long lines, hot days, waiting watching, waiting. It's hard to remain gracious at times while we wait. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters. Powerful word here. Or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. There he is. The judge is there. The judge is standing at the door of your home, dad and mom. 
Young people, elementary students, middle school, high schools, you guys are in the car. You're headed to the coast. You're headed to Bend. You're headed on summer vacation. You're headed camping. The judge is standing at the door. He's listening to those conversations in the car. He loves your family. What's happening in there? The judge is at the door. Don't grumble. It's a great word. If you look at that in the numeric standard, it says don't complain about or with each other. If you look at in the King James, it says, don't judge, don't be judgy, don't be complaining. I really like this translation. Don't grumble. In fact, when you say the word grumble, it's like you're grumbling when you say grumble. On the count of three, let's all say it together. I want you to say it with some gusto, like you really mean it, from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. One, two, three, grumble. Listen to that. She's got it. Pray for that parent. It could be a long, long summer. Grumble. Grumble. That's it. You've got it. You know what the Bible's saying? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't grumble. It takes grace to remain gracious and kind and patient, especially while you're waiting for things to happen and it doesn't seem like anything is happening. Where's our illustration here? You read in verse 10. You read in verse 11. You see what? You see the example of Job. Look at Job. Look what he went through. Look at all that he endured. And yet, what did he say? And though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Wow. Wisdom word number one. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Titus 2, consider the farmer. Wisdom point number two. Don't grumble about each other. The judge is at the door. Don't forget about Job. What an example he is. What's the parallel passage, Pastor Mike? Here's the antithesis to grumbling. Here's something that we can replace grumbling with. Let's go over and look at it together in Ephesians chapter 4. Many passages we could go to. I think this is a good quick one. Ephesians 4, 1 through 4 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you... To lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. In other words, live out worthy of who you are in Christ. Live out worthy of your calling in God. Here it is, verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. That would be a great uh, two verses for a family to memorize together this summer. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. There's the antithesis of a grumbling heart, grumbling attitude, grumbling words. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm overwhelmed by how good you've been to me. And out of a heart of gratitude for your blessings and goodness in my life, I am going to humbly love people around me. And I'm going to give them some grace space to make mistakes because I make many mistakes myself. And I want to show them grace and forgiveness and gentleness and love out of a heart of humility for how good you've been to me. Oh, my goodness. 
That's the kind of tone we want in our houses, in our cars, at the campsite this summer. If that gets lived out at the campsite this summer, I'm going to tell you what's going to be the best trip ever when we make that our mindset and our heart set by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be patient while we wait for the Lord. Don't grumble about each other. The judge stands at the door. Let's get the third one and we'll be done. Verse 12. And what I like about verse 12 is notice how it opens up. But most of all, Mm. In other words, the other two were good, James says, but don't miss this one, right? But most of all, you get in the car this afternoon, what are you going to say? Well, I've got to tell you, the sermon was okay. Biscuits and gravy, pretty good. But most of all, that video was really special. I tell you, whoever put that together, that was just A+. In other words, that was the tip of the spear. That was maybe the highlight that you wouldn't have wanted to have missed if you only were able to invest five minutes into the service today. And that's exactly the spirit of what James is saying here. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, this is interesting. Never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just simply say yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Now, there's a lot here. I could talk for 15 minutes on the different nuances and the different application of what's here. Let's summarize it down for our family service today. Here's what I think James is really saying again. Once again, he's saying to us, watch your words. Watch your words. They matter. And just make your yes, yes, and your no, no. Do you know sometimes it's perfectly right, it's perfectly pleasing to God, and it's absolutely acceptable to say no? You've got to get comfortable saying no. You can't do everything. There are certain things that are good opportunities, but they're not God's opportunity for you, and you've just got to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Sometimes we get to say yes. And it's exactly what God needs for you to be doing. Well, Pastor Mike, you're going to have to help me know the difference between the yeses or noes. No, you're going to have to get on your knees and ask God to give you the wisdom, and He will. James chapter 1, remember? If any person lacks wisdom, you can ask of a God, and He'll give it to you without any, any begrudging. And God will give you the wisdom between your yeses and your noes. Listen, dads and moms, grandpas and grandmas, you've got to really watch your yeses and noes in life. What you say yes to and no to has huge consequences beyond the decision. And you know that, but boy, we've got to think through that. You've got to really think through that. And let your yes be yes. If you're going to say yes, you've got to do it. If you say no, no, no is it. Yes, yes, no, no. Watch your words. Pastor Mike, what would be the comparative scripture? They are all throughout. They are peppered throughout this wonderful book of James. Until I went through this book with you, friends, we did this short series together. How did this not be? I don't know how this is, but I don't know why this is, but I have never seen it like this until we went through it together, how much James deals with words in his book. Words, words, words. Watch your words. Be careful, be careful, 
Be careful. James 1.19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak. Yes, no. Yes, no. Slow to speak, slow to get angry. James 1.26. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Oh, my goodness. James 2, 12, whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. James 3, verse 2, indeed, we all make many mistakes. The church says amen and yes to that. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect or mature mature, and could also control ourselves in every other way. And then we come right out to chapter 5, most of all, most of all. Brothers and sisters, yes, yes, no, no, watch your words. Your words matter. Your words matter. And man, James drives that home. Almost in every paragraph of this amazing book. And we come to this end, and it's so proverbial in nature. And he says to dads, and he says to moms... And he says to high schoolers and middle schoolers and elementary students alike, he says, hey, be patient. The Lord's coming. Do the next biblical right thing. He says, don't grumble with each other. Make room for each other's faults with grace and humility. Treat each other with kindness and show forgiveness because in just just a twist or turn away, you're going to need to receive forgiveness. And most of all, as we go into the summer, as we prepare for our vacations, as we have maybe more time than we're even used to together around the home, watch your words. Slow to speak, quick to hear. The judge is standing at the door. May our words be seasoned with grace and kindness, and may they not tear down, but may they build up the one who hears them. And James says, these are my wisdom statements that a dad, that a mom, that a grandpa or grandma can put in their back pocket. They can take right out of church with them this morning and they can apply them into their life right where they're living. And that brings us to a fitting conclusion of a wonderful book, two minutes behind, but that ain't bad. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word and all that it means to us. Thank you for how wonderful these kids were behaved in this service. We have such wonderful parents at Northwest Hills. They're doing a wonderful job. It's evident by this service. What a delight for an hour and five minutes to be together as we have and to have enjoyed such many blessings. Thank you for your blessing. And Lord, as we prayed on Mother's Day for moms, we pray today for every dad here that you'd give them grace, you'd give them strength, you'd give them wisdom, that they would be men who pursue you, who pursue their spouses, and who love and lead their kids. Bless our dads. Thank you for them. We thank you for them as we thank you for our moms and for our beautiful families represented today. What an honor to be in your house on Father's Day. As we conclude, Lord, thank you for the joy that you have put in our hearts as a result of knowing you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your many blessings. In your name, amen.